Hello, my name is Rafael Carrion, and I'm from the University of South Florida School of Medicine, the Department of Urology. I'm giving a lecture on penile fracture, the causes and management of this pathologic entity. I would like to thank the American Urologic Association for this very gracious invitation and the board of directors organizing this year's meeting. These are my disclosures. When we begin to discuss such a topic, there are some literature out there, some up to date to kind of give us guidelines, the providers, a roadmap for which to analyze and follow the algorithmic steps in terms of diagnosing and managing patients suffering with this. So when we extrapolate some of the data, you always begin with a basic definition of what the pathology is. And here, kind of the sentinel event and the descriptor is rupture of the tunica albuginea. This tissue layer and the compromise of this layer really is the symbolic nature of what a penile fracture is all about. We will then discuss later in the slide set, the diagnosis as you see here in the bullet points and the management, which is prompt surgical exploration, typically and ideally within 48 hours. Now the etiology can be quite complex and sometimes it's direct trauma to the area and sometimes associated with some manipulation or trauma with sexual activity. But the symbolism of penile fracture, especially in relation to sexual fracture, in relation during sexual activity, is with a tumest corporal body receiving some sort of blunt force. And this is what predisposes a penile fracture or tear in the tunica albuginea. So when we start to look at some of the data points, and you start to see a trend on some of the features when we couple this with etiologic factors of penile fracture. And just like I said before, you can see a trend with sexual intercourse or activity and even special maneuvers as you see there on the table to the right. The key feature being this relationship of forces being applied to a tumest phallus leading to trauma or a compromise in the tunica albuginea. Now, what about some of the clinical features that would help a provider diagnose clinically this pathologic entity? Well, here you see a nice laundry list and it shouldn't be a surprise to most practicing urologists. You will see pain, hematoma, edema or swelling. Some of the individuals will give that disclaimer of, I heard a cracking sound, as you see here listed on this table. Sometimes they see prompt detumescence after the trauma. Urethral bleeding helps us alert that there could be corporal spongiosal or urethral pathology as well. Acute urinary retention and some morphologic deformity on that last category you see to the right. So this is a nice table giving us a nice buffet table, itemized list of features clinically that we can appreciate in an ER setting, for instance, in the emergency room. Now, what about a diagnostic and a surgical approach? 
for these patients. Well, now we get into some of the bread and butter, what to do as urologist. And we will discuss some of these. Diagnostically, there is literature mounting for the use of ultrasound and MRI. And we're gonna show some slides that kind of give a little more a knowledge and input from those two diagnostic options. And then when it comes to surgical approach, you could see there, there is subcoronal, which is the preferred and most popular approach, but there could be variants as you see here on the table in terms of what surgical approach a urologist might take. And then ideally, and we said this earlier, the timing of repair is recommended within 48 hours. And then you, some of the authors in some of the series reported will acknowledge an actual tear. But keep in mind that with a clinical diagnosis, it's not at fault to have a negative exploration. So you see there that not everyone is reporting the findings of a obvious tear in the tunica albuginea layer. So what about outcomes after repair? This is also just as important because many of our patients as well as providers need to have an understanding what is the sequela? What are the consequences? And here you see, for the most part, very good preservation of erectile function, but you can see there could be some delta variants here. There can be some isolated instances where there could be a negative change. And there you see other listed uh, clinical features of change postoperatively in terms of voiding symptoms, some morphologic deformity or penile curvature, urethral stricture, rare, but lighting up on some of the series. And there you see the follow-ups on the series of all these studies being analyzed. So when we look to the guidelines, we start with some excerpts saying, you suspect a fracture when they do present with some of the features we just discussed on the earlier tables. Clinical history, coupled with ecchymosis, swelling, pain, crackling, snapping sound. Well, this could be an absolute classic clean, uh, penile fracture, but at least have the clinical suspicion. And the guidelines support that. So when we have certain individuals like this, coupled with appropriate history, now I'm already leaning towards that clinical suspicion. What about this guideline? Well, you can perform ultrasound, and we talked a little bit about the diagnostic options of ultrasound and MRI, and this is a, a useful adjunct in the workup. So what's the literature support? Well, here's one particular article, just to show you one of several. And here it clearly shows very good detection of penile fracture in this small series studied with ultrasound. Now keep in mind, you'll see on the bottom half there, MRI was also used, not necessarily in a comparison, but showed that MRI was almost nearly perfect but the ultrasound was very good as well. Now keep in mind, cost analysis was not utilized in this particular page, in this particular paper, and that also plays a role. Your geography, your practice setup also play a role on what diagnostic modalities you have available at your institution. So when it comes to MRIs, as you see in this particular publication, they are very, very accurate and can sometimes help absolutely confirm a compromise in the tunica albuginea. So in my institution, if I have a patient that is not classical 
suspicion of penile fracture. And there could be some percent where we feel that the MRI could help alleviate a, a, a surgical exploration, we will offer this on some of our patients. And here in this particular patient, the, the fracture was confirmed with MRI and he was taken to the operating room for repair. Now, surgeons should perform a prompt surgical exploration and repair in patients with a diagnosis of penile fracture. And that guideline statement is listed here just to let you know that if you strongly suspect this pathologic entity, the treatment still remains surgical exploration and repair. And we're gonna give a little special caveat to that statement a little later on in the slide set. So the surgical approach you saw in some of the earlier slides, the most preferred is this uh, degloving technique, subcoronal. Many times you could encounter a hematoma. As you see here, you have to clean the tissue planes up, optimize it, clear up the tunical edges of the tear, as you see on the right-hand side here. And this simply is going to be repaired primarily. Now, clinicians can screen for other concomitant pathology. You saw in some of the earlier slides, albeit low, you could have other interesting pathologic features, one being a compromise in the corpus spongiosum or urethra. And so you must evaluate this and confirm that the integrity of the corpus spongiosum is intact. Now, what about the special cohort patients I alluded to earlier? Well, that was this particular paper showing us some of the guidelines and some of the interesting features occurring on our patients with Peyronie's disease undergoing injection with collagenase clostridium histolyticum. So on these particular patients, you can have a risk of penile fracture despite following the standard algorithmic protocol instructions that you give your instructions when they're undergoing this injection therapy. So because these patients can come back early after injection with signs, symptoms, even clinical historical features consistent with your classic penile fracture scenario, now this can be a complex clinical scenario to manage. In this particular case, this patient within a month did notice with his modeling exercise, felt the snap during a spontaneous erection following the rules for modeling, prompt detumescence, pain, and an enlarging hematoma. Despite having a recent injection, we decided to take him to the operating room, found a clear fracture, which was sewn primarily, and this patient did well. The reason why this is an interesting topic to discuss is because these are now these emerging special carve-out cohort of patients where there are new algorithms being evaluated. This is a nice article by Dr. Wayne Hellstrom's group showing us that maybe there is room to watch this specific cohort conservatively. Obviously more studies and investigation is warranted, but there is emerging data to show us that maybe not all patients with a fracture are the same. And the patients receiving this particular injection therapy, some of them could be monitored conservatively. 
And so we're awaiting for further data to help confirm this, this algorithmic step as an alternative to the classic steps you saw earlier on some of the guidelines that were explained. So in summary, penile fracture is indeed a urologic emergency. However, there are only basic guidelines. I showed <clears throat> some of the excerpts from the guidelines earlier in the slide set, some of the sample clinical scenarios. And for the most part, you can proceed with just a suspicion of penile fracture. You can employ some of the diagnostic modalities we showed. In general, it is recommended to treat within 48 hours. Most prefer a subcoronal degloving approach, and you do have to rule out concomitant pathologies such as urethral damage. I thank you, and I thank the Board of Directors for this year's American Neurologic Association.